0: I'm Barry Trammell with Sellout Crowd, and I'm proud to announce that Scott Verplank has joined our network, and this is the first episode of the Scott Verplank Show. Verplank was Longhorn bred, but chose Oklahoma State instead, and has made his golfing life in Oklahoma. He's won NCAA championships, the U.S. Amateur, Ryder Cup matches, and a most emotional Byron Nelson Classic. And he's debuting his show with a fellow OSU phenom, Victor Hovland, who also won a U.S. amateur and has won five times on the PGA Tour, including the 2023 FedEx Championship. The Scott Berplank Show is sponsored by EMAC Group. EMAC is environmental, microbial, and air quality solutions. If you suspect you have mold or air quality issues, EMAC provides the solutions. Find out more at EMAC com. Now here's Scott and Victor.
1: Welcome to my very first podcast with my special guest Victor Hovland. So Victor, you're going to be my ultimate guinea pig here, since I've been on your side of the camera, <clears throat> but never on this side. So you get to, I get to ask the questions, you get to make the answers. So thanks for being <laughs> on.
2: Yeah, uh, honor to be your first guest, Scott. Let's uh, let's have a good time.
1: Hey, um, it's I always have a good time around you. Victor's always smiling. Uh, Makes everybody happy around him. And on top of that, he's one of the best two or three or four players in the world. Um, And you could see that coming for a while here. uh, Being a young golfer at Oklahoma State, he kind of set the world on fire. Won the U.S. Amateur, which really set him up well. Um, And he's gone on uh, just improving every year. Uh, Won the Tour Championship last year, so won the FedEx Cup. And, Victor, you got to feel good going into this year. Um, Tell me what's going on.
2: Yeah, not a whole lot. Obviously, uh, it was nice to have a, a little bit of a break after last year. Uh, it was a lot of golf and a lot of good golf for, from my point of view. Um, and it was nice to just have a few weeks off. I was in Norway over the break uh, and just to relax and think about what what just happened, uh, but also lay a, a good plan going forward um, to to keep playing at that level, because um, I feel like uh, 2023 was a big year of uh, just development. I figured out some stuff that I hadn't figured out before. Uh, But I also do feel like my ball striking can, can still get better. Uh, It hasn't quite been as sharp as I'd like to right now. So, so just trying to get that dialed in. Um, But uh, you know, this game of golf will, will drive you nuts. There's always something you can improve. And uh, that's just what I'm focusing on.
1: Yeah. If you play golf for a living, you're going to have some mental imbalance going at different times or another there's there's no way around it hey tell me uh your chipping has improved so much i know you worked really hard with joe mayo um is there in layman's terms can you can you explain kind of like what you did differently i i kind of know what you were doing before and it looks to me like you simplified it and really kind of got it down so can you can you tell us all what you're doing
2: yeah, try to not make it too complicated. Um, it's basically what I've always been told is okay. You need to use the bounce of the club in um, in just normal chips and and basic uh, pitching. And my my in my golf swing, I have a very shut club face because my left wrist kind of bows in the backswing, um, and I always thought that was a problem because. Now the club is shut, there's not that much loft, and then I'm going to have to throw that and release it out to try to hit good chip shots. Now, Joe basically just explained to me that, hey, look at Jordan Spieth, look at Brooks Kepka, look at DJ. Uh, they all have the same wrist pattern, uh, and they don't twist the face open in the backswing, and they they were number one in the world. Uh, they have good short games, so... The way that he explained it to me was that by trying to kind of release the angle a little bit too early, I couldn't really do it because my body was, was so far behind. So I had a very shallow angle of attack. I was getting into the ball too shallow. And what happens then, especially when you have lies, there's just more stuff that can get in between the club face and the ball. And it's just it's very difficult to pr- uh, to produce a lot of spin or friction on the golf ball. So what he basically just taught me how to do was was to move my head and my upper body forward towards the pen, which is very counterintuitive because it feels like you're going to hit it straight down into the ground, which I am. Um, but I'm so now I'm getting very steeply on the ball. But then what's amazing is when you get forward, it's a lot easier for me to release uh, the angle a little bit sooner. But I'm still having a lot of shaft lean. And that's what he basically told me. Most, the best chippers and pitchers in the world, they have about 15 degrees of shaft lean, which is a lot. But I'm, at least when I'm moving forward as much, I'm in a way better spot to deliver the club instead of when I'm back here, And I lean the the handle forward. Now the ball's coming off like a driver, which is why I'm a good driver of the ball, because uh, this is a technique that's very good for hitting the ball fast. In the short game, you want to slow the ball down.
1: Well, that is, uh, for all the golf geeks, they're going to love that, Victor. Um, (laughs) for For me, you're just staying steadier over the ball, and it looks to me like you got a little more weight on your left side. And... It's it's improved so much that I heard the United States Ryder Cup team one of the one of the uh, members said we knew we're in trouble when a guy who can't chip chipped in on the first hole and I was like I was like well, the problem with that is the guy can chip now if that was maybe two yep. years ago it wasn't quite so good but uh, now you're now you're upper echelon maybe top ten or fifteen and and kind of getting the ball up and down so. What a great asset for your game. Um, I think yeah. that's one of the reasons that you've played a lot better than last year. Now, you you may think differently, but it looks to me like when you, – you know you can go up flags when you know you can get up and down.
2: Yeah, it, it's um, – it, it makes the game a lot easier just mentally as well. I'm a lot less exhausted after a round of golf because I know that, okay, I can actually – like there's been some spurs where, okay, my swing isn't feeling as good as it should or – you know, we play some tough courses and you might miss four greens in a row. And Mm. it's not a big deal because I can get those four up and downs and I'm still even par. And then I might make a birdie on the next hole and we're back in, back in business. Whereas before, you know, I missed four greens, maybe that's two bogeys and I might be out of the tournament or you're, you're, you're moving the wrong direction. So it's just over 72 holes. You're going to have some bad swings and you're going to hit some bad shots. Uh, But it's, it's a matter of missing in the right spots, and when you give yourself just relatively simple up and downs, you could you should be making uh, pars a lot, uh, and that's what I what I noticed. I was just uh, giving everyone a huge advantage every time I missed a green, and um, some of those courses when the greens get really firm and fast, uh, a good ball striking day you might hit twelve greens, and that's still six times you have to chip.
1: Yeah, well, you definitely have cleaned that up, and it's made a huge difference. So I, I want to change subjects real quick. So tell me about growing up in Norway, and how did you get into golf?
2: Yeah, my uh, my dad actually worked in uh, Kansas City, uh, Missouri, uh, when I was about three years old. And uh, he worked there for about six months and uh, drove by a driving range every day on the way to work. And um, when it was time for him to come home, he just bought a golf set and, and shipped it back home and that's kind of how I got started. Um, yeah, about four years old.
1: Wow. So is there a lot of golf courses in Norway?
2: I think, uh, I think there's about like 90, 90 golf courses or something. Uh, or maybe there's more. I, I can't quite remember, but, uh, a lot of them are nine hole golf courses and they're not in the best shape because we got snow four or five months of the year. Um, but, uh, So growing up until I was maybe 11 or 12, I would do I I would play soccer um, with my uh, with my friends in school. And then we would uh, or I would also do Taekwondo. So martial arts. But when I was 11 or 12, I decided, hey, I kind of want to practice indoors in the wintertime because I would just play in the summer. And then when it got cold outside, I would just not play. Um, But that's when I. I figured I'd like to to kind of keep improving at this game.
1: Well, it, that it's worked. Did you have someone that you kind of looked up to that gave you inspiration? Was it like everybody else, Tiger Woods?
2: Yeah, pretty pretty much. <laughs> I remember grew up kind of just when YouTube came out, and um, all all of his highlight videos were were on there. So I remember I would sit up at you know after school just watching highlights uh, and just. Becoming really inspired, and, um, you know, not just winning, but the way he did it, the fist pumps, just the charisma, the golf swing, hitting it past everyone. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was pretty cool to watch.
1: Well, yeah, it was definitely must see TV. Um, (laughs) kind of still is. So, no Nordic skiing or any like telemarking or shooting rifles during a snowstorm. You didn't do any of that? Uh, I I think
2: every Norwegian, um, you know cross country skis I think uh, you're not a Norwegian if you don't ski it's the same we we're, we're born with skis on our feet um, but I'm not the biggest fan of cross country skiing I would uh I, I enjoyed more of the downhill skiing um, so that was a lot of fun I would do that in the winter um, but then I realized that okay the more and more I go to because we have a cabin a couple hours away from Oslo, uh, and we would go there and ski in the weekends but I would much rather just stay in Oslo and hit balls into this hangar so that I could practice my golf game. So that's kind of what ended up happening.
1: Well, so when was the last time you skied?
2: I can't even remember. Uh, It had to be more than 10 years.
1: Oh, yeah. cross country
2: skiing is probably five years, but, um, yeah, I don't do much of both.
1: Yeah, well, I, you probably, I think you made a good choice, not to say you wouldn't be a world champion uh, downhill skier. I could just see Victor Hovland, uh, winner of the world championship in downhill and the giant slalom. Yeah, <laughs> um, probably not. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad you played golf, though, since you went to Oklahoma State and helped them yep. win the national championship. Um, hey, what do you think about, have you seen much with what's going on at Karsten Creek in Stillwater with redoing the golf course?
2: It's uh it's been a while since I was last there. Um, I think it was a couple of months ago I was last in Oklahoma and uh, just driving. I just drove into Carson and uh, just looking out of the car. Uh, I didn't really go out and check the whole uh, view out, but it looked vastly different. A lot of trees were taken out, uh, and I think uh, just talking to Andrew Green a little bit, Coach Holder, Coach um, uh, you know, just picking their brains a little bit. It sounds like this is going to be uh, a a big change, and I think it's going to be really cool. Uh, So I can't wait for it to be done and and go back and play.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, The redo that Andrew Green did at Oak Hill, where consequently you finished second in the PGA last year, I thought it was an excellent job. So if, if he does uh, anywhere close to how good a job he did at Oak Hill at Karsten Creek, then it should be pretty special. So um, yeah, I'd agree with that. Speaking of that, Oak Hill, I mean, you were right there with Brooks um, and just an unfortunate, I, tell, the, the bunker shot you hit on, on 16 out of the fairway bunker. Did you hit it thin or did you, did it just come off low?
2: Yeah, I, I hit it slightly thin, so it was on the down I hate, slope. Hate
1: to bring up. Hate to bring up. No, it's it's many. all right. But you're uh, gonna be better because of it.
2: Yeah, Uh, it was on the down slope. It was sitting down a little bit, and I hit a nine iron, and obviously the the number one thing in the fairway bunker you want to hit the ball first. Uh, but when it's sitting down and It's in a bad lie, you kind of have to, like a little bit with a short game, you try to cover it a little bit more. You try to get a little steeper on it, which is also going to make it launch lower, but you try to trade that off for better contacts. And then I hit it slightly thin and just came out too low. Now, you know, uh, that can happen easily, obviously. It could have, you know, just maybe bounced out of the bunker and ended up in the fairway. I might make it up and down for a par or. Worst case, it might still be in the bunker. Well, at least I hope for a better line. I can still make a par. Right. Um, but uh, it, it, when it ends up plugging in the in the lip of the bunker, that's uh, that's obviously pretty uh, devastating.
1: Yeah, golf is uh, golf is cruel. It's yeah. and it's pretty pretty humbling. But but you recovered greatly. Went on to play some of the best golf that anybody's played in a long time near the end of the year, particularly winning the last couple of events and shooting. You know, just gobs under par so uh it's probably a good learning experience for you i would i would thank you you sucked it up and said i'm going to keep going so that's one of the things that i think is really impressive about you is you're not letting anything bother you um and you're going forward with a great attitude that makes i mean that that's everything so that's what i'm looking for for you for the next few years um as you ascend to winning some of these big tournaments
2: yeah. No, it was uh, obviously it was a punch in the teeth, but I try to focus on all the positives that i done. You know, the fact that I was there in the last group against Brooks Kepka. Um and I managed to, you know, obviously the double big on 16 hurt, but I managed to go toe to toe with them the whole day. I mean, the guy was, I think it was four under through five holes. It wasn't like he, uh he, uh, You know, we both played kind of average and I had a chance to win. We both played some great golf uh, the whole day and trading putts for putts and birdies for birdies. And, uh, you know, uh, a little unfortunate there on 16, but I took a lot of positives out of not just that day, but the whole week. And I knew that, okay, the way that I'm playing right now, the uh, the way my short game is, if I just keep doing this, I'm going to I'm going to win some tournaments. So it's like it sucked that it happened in the final round of the PGA under the, like in that way, that always sucks. And you can, you're always going to think back that oh I should have had that one, whatever, but you can't think that way in the, in the game of golf. You know, sometimes you win in a playoff. Sometimes you lip in a putt and he goes your way. Sometimes it goes your way. Sometimes it doesn't, but if you keep working on the overall good things and you continue to get better, you're going to get some wins in the end. So, uh, yeah, it sucks, but um, it's a learning experience, and I hope uh, I win some more coming um, the next couple of years.
1: Oh, yeah, I, I think you will. You know, that's funny, that tournament, um, that was the first time that I really kind of felt like I had confidence in you chipping the ball. I don't know. I'm yep. sure it was coming on uh, before that, but I remember talking to you there, and then I was doing some television for ESPN there and getting to see you on you know, on calling shots. And I was, it was, I was like, man, this guy has really, really got the chipping stuff down now. And I know it may have been before that, but once you, once you perform in a big tournament, I know is a terrible, terrible finish, uh, but you got better for it. But that's when I knew that your short game was really, you'd made massive strides because you're on the biggest stage mm-hmm. and hitting the kind of shots that a year or two ago you would have been throwing up on. Yep. So, um, that's that's where that that's when I knew you were really really on your way. So, that's awesome. All right, tell me how great was the Ryder Cup?
2: Yeah, um, that was that was pretty sweet. Um, obviously, for for me, it was a completely different experience from uh, whistling whistling straights, getting getting waxed uh, on U.S. soil uh, with hardly any European fans there because of COVID. Uh, you know, obviously being a rookie and I think going into an atmosphere like that, which is very hostile and you have some insecurities in there with your game, mainly the, the chipping. And I didn't really put that well uh, that week either. Um, I, I think it's just that stuff just comes out way more easily uh, when you're uh, under those circumstances. And this time around, we're at home. I was hitting the ball well. Um, my chipping was was great. Uh, and I just felt like I wasn't that nervous. I was more just excited. I was pumped to, to play and chip in on the first hole. And and uh, we have a massive lead from the start and just lead the whole way. It, it, it I don't think it could have been a much better week for, for us. Like we couldn't script it any better, I don't think.
1: No, that's kind of the way it looked. I mean, I, uh, you had the – like you said, the massive crowd, uh, the Europeans were playing well, and you just kind of took the wave and rode it. Um, but it, in that, the Ryder Cup is just the coolest event to play in um, with the big crowds. I mean, it, it's hard not to – I was kind of like uh, what you said. I, was, I played a couple, and I was never nervous. I was just too pumped up to be nervous. I was so excited to get to <clears throat> basically play in the Super Bowl of golf. Yeah. Um, it's just the coolest event um unfortunately i played in europe twice and we lost both times but losing losing sucked but playing in the event was off the chart so i, I know you got to be looking forward to playing in another big handful of those at least
2: yeah we've uh europe has had a good record in in uh at home for the last uh 30 some years now so uh we're very proud of that obviously uh but i think it's time for us to to come to New York and uh, and uh, prove everyone what we've got, because uh, we were we were definitely the underdogs. And I think a year prior to the Ryder Cup, we were written off as oh they got no chance. And and uh, we we came back and and showed everyone what, what how we can play. And um, I, I I want us to go out there and and do the same thing in in New York.
1: Well, I, I know you do. Um <laughs> are, you, are you gonna are you gonna help Rory get John Rahm on the team? That's that's gonna be a big key right there. Oh boy. I don't, no on that. Yeah, I don't know how that's gonna, I don't know how that's gonna work, but uh I would if I was the European team I'd want John Rahm on my team as well. So Yeah, we,
2: hey, we just want the best players to be on the team. That's that's it. It's that simple. I,
1: And I think that's what most people in golf want to see is uh, all the best guys playing, particularly, you know, that, that event, the Ryder cup is such an exciting, amazing event that you need all the best players. Yep. Let me ask you, I, you did a Norwegian podcast and you made some comments um, about the tour. Have you gotten Mm -hmm. any blowback from that?
2: Uh, I mean, blowback as in I didn't get too many messages. I didn't look online to see what the comments were. But, well,
1: well, from other uh, from other players. I didn't from, get from too
2: other... many. I got a couple of text messages, uh, and, and mostly they were in support. I don't think uh, people would text me if they were disagreeing. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I got some support, so I, I appreciate that. But at the end of the day, I just uh, try to speak my mind, say my opinions, whether that's going to be given a good reception or or a bad reception. That's just I was asked the questions uh, and I'm going to answer honestly uh, from my point of view. um, And uh, that's that. I didn't really anticipate it blowing up as much as it did because it was on a Norwegian podcast. But um, I guess that's that's uh, that's just how it is. Uh, Everything you say, uh, um, you know, it gets out there.
1: Well, yeah, I guess what I meant by blowback was with, from the PGA Tour. I would, I would presume that the players would support what you said. Um, I'm like you. It, the, the truth's hard to hide. Um, if you look at it from a player's perspective, I think you were right. Um, and sometimes, you know, you just, like you said, you got to tell the truth. Um, this is how it's been. The, the, it's all laid out there for everybody to see. Um, it has not gone well. Uh, at no. least for the world of golf, but I would—I guess my point was: Have you got any blowback from the actual PGA Tour offices? Because I know players would support your support your uh your opinions.
2: Yeah, I, I have not. I haven't talked to anyone particularly. I've only played one tournament in in Hawaii uh, since I made the comments. So, uh, well, but no, that, I mean that's it's good. yeah.
1: <laughs> no, that's good. No, I mean, yeah, I, I mean,
2: the and then like. I'm not trying to just say these comments to dog on the tour like I want us to, first I want to improve the tour and we need to get together and talk collectively about how we go about that business but first of all we need to get the facts out in the open we we need transparency and we need to talk about okay this has not been handled in a good way okay that's fine but let's talk about the road uh, forward. How do we, how do we move past this and make PJ tour uh, the best product it can be? Cause I, I, it is great, but it could be a lot better.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I you know what? You got a good head on your shoulders for a, a young guy who's going to have a lot of say in what's going on. So that as an old guy, that makes me feel better that uh, I know, I know there's at least a couple guys that are thinking clearly in this deal. So mm-hmm. So good for you, but don't let that get in the way. Of being a world class, kick ass golfer because that's what you are. Um, don't let the don't let the off the course stuff drag you down. I know you've been told that by people smarter than me, uh, but you're doing so good. Um, I got to ask you about Shay Knight. He's been a great yeah. caddy for you, hadn't he?
2: He's the man. He's uh he's what uh, keeps the six from, uh, keep the ship from sinking. Certain times. Yeah. <laughs> <Sometimes>. yeah.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. Uh,
2: yeah, he's, uh, he's, uh, like I've said this to other people, like he's, uh, he's a great caddy, but I think he's, uh, he's an even better person. And, uh, he's just someone that I enjoy being around. I can trust him wholeheartedly. And that's the most important thing when you have someone out there on the bag. Um, but on top of that, it helps obviously when he's a great caddy and works harder than any other person that I've seen. So, um, have uh, nothing bad uh, to say about Shea. He's he's just a man.
1: Yeah. No, I knew you wouldn't. He is. He's an excellent caddy. But it's it's hard to explain that relationship because you really spend as much or more time with him than you do anybody else. Um, you know, if you like, my wife used to complain that well, I spent more time with my caddy than I, with her, and I was like, well, I, but I love you, and I don't love him. <laughs> um, There's a distinction she, there. It, yeah. <laughs> There is a distinction, but yeah, it's a, it, it's really important to have a great relationship um, on the course and off the course. So you and Shay, um, I know Shay a little bit, great guy. It's really, it's, it's a big benefit that you guys are good friends. Um, and going forward, I think that'll be beneficial to both of you. No doubt. 100%. 100%.
2: All
1: right. You do anything special to get ready for uh, leading up to the masters?
2: Uh. It looks like the schedule's going to we're going to play a decent amount of golf. Uh, so I'm getting ready. I should go to the West Coast and here in a couple of days. Get ready. I play three weeks in a row. And then we obviously go over to uh, Florida uh, and play. Um, still trying to figure out exactly what tournaments that I'll play. But it seems like there's going to be a decent amount and just trying to uh, get the ball striking kind of where it needs to be. Because I'm, I'm feeling really good with my short game. I'm, I'm putting it really well. Uh, just trying to iron out a couple of kinks that's crept in there, but, um, that's about it. Nothing, nothing in particular. I feel like if I just, if I just get to where my game feels good, I know that I can, I can win at Augusta. I can win at, uh, any golf course. Uh, but it needs to just get back to where it needs to be.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, you can definitely win anywhere. All right. I know you're spending a little more time in South Florida now. Have you picked up any South Floridian hobbies or anything? Are you surfing or fishing <laughs> or swimming more? Are you doing anything in your in your downtime, or do you have any downtime?
2: Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm not a big beach person, to be honest with you. Um, I'm more of a mountain guy, growing up in Norway. Um, but they do have obviously some some state parks here and stuff that I'd like to check out. I've, uh, just scrolling on YouTube. I, I didn't really know how big fossil hunting was around here. Um, like, uh, cause obviously Florida was, uh, submerged in water and, and, uh, with the ice age and stuff, you can, you can find fossils from a long time ago, or you can find megalodon teeth that are millions of years old. Like I'm just fascinated cool. with that stuff. So, nice. uh, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe at some point I'd love to go there. uh, go out there and find me some megalodon teeth that'd be
1: sweet (laughs) there you go yeah the shark teeth is always when my kids were little where when you're running up and down the east coast playing golf yeah shark shark teeth hunting was always a big deal but uh a megalodon tooth that would be pretty amazing yeah but then forget the shark if you (laughs) go to the everglades if you go to the everglades looking for fossils they got those giant snakes over there i
2: know i might not come back
1: yeah. So you got to be really careful. And like, I don't know what, I guess people let those big snakes go and then they show these pictures of these 30 foot boa constrictors. So be careful if you go looking for uh, fossils in in that part of South Florida. Yeah. Um, hey, Victor, uh, you've been a great first guest. I hope I was not too tough on, I wasn't tough on you, but I hope I wasn't <laughs> too, too uh, wordy for you. But dude, you know, um we everybody from Oklahoma state loves you and is pulling for you and we're all proud that you're part of the OSU golf team and uh, we all every single one of us knows you're already a superstar so we're uh, looking for more from you and uh, i can't wait to run into you again here in a, at the worst at the masters i'll see you but yeah. um, man keep keep doing what you're doing play great keep that smile on your face and thank you so much for uh, spending the time with me
2: yeah. Anytime, Scott. I got, uh, I got time anytime for you. So thanks for having me on and uh, hope everything goes well with the podcast.
0: All right. Thanks, Victor. You're the best. Thanks for joining us on this first episode of the Scott Verplank Show. Remember, you can now access us via the Out Crowd app. Just go to the app store and search Sellout Crowd. And if this is your first time hearing or watching the show, be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. And if you like what you hear, please leave a review.